to the Start, Grow, Pivot podcast, hosted by me, Katie Gray. I'm a former vice president of commercial lending turned life coach and business consultant for women. This show is all about providing business planning, strategies, and mindset advice for running a business that's profitable and fully aligns with your values. If you like cookie cutter business tips you can find on Google, this is not the show for you. But if you love hearing new ideas and getting a fresh perspective on life and business, you'll want to stick around. Hi, and welcome back to the Start, Grow, Pivot podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I have put a lot of thought into this episode, and I want to talk about something that I've had a lot of experience with in the past few years, and I just, I want to share it with you guys because it can be so valuable to your business. And I don't want to gatekeep. Um, and on a side note, I actually hate the word gatekeep because I think that we have a right to monetize our hard won knowledge, right? Like, I don't think that we always just have to give everything away for free, right? If we have a lot of really, really purposeful, really useful information, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with trying to monetize it, but that's not really my jam today. I'm just here to share everything that I've learned and really cut away all the things you don't need to know about starting a blog and adding it to your website and just give you the pieces that you absolutely need to know to not only start a blog, but to have it result in the things that you want, right? So I'm imagining you're a business owner and this is really whether you're service-based or retail-based. And if you want to add a blog to your website to attract new clients or build brand credibility or generate revenue or, you know, some combination of those, it's hard to know where to start. And I, <laughs> I hadn't thought to create an episode on this, but I just coached a client in my Entrepreneurs on the Rise program through the process of starting a blog with a lot of intention. And while it's fresh in my mind, I just feel compelled to share it with you. It feels like it would be rude not to, <laughs> to let you in on the good stuff. So my goal here is to slice right through the jungle of information slash misinformation out there and share what you need to know and only what you need to know so that you can avoid the common mistakes that will, you know, just leave you feeling overwhelmed and frustrated without anything to show for your hard work. Basically, you're benefiting from all the mistakes that I made when I first went into blogging. And I, you know, I recognize too, like you're not trying to become a full-time blogger anyway. It's not like you're giving up your core business to be a blogger. You just want to add this creative outlet to share your knowledge and attract potential clients to your website and set your business up for future growth. Like I totally get it. So I'm going to show you step-by-step how to go about it in the most efficient and intentional way. So there's actually four things that you need to do before you add a blog to your website. Like hold your horses. I know your keyboard is screaming, use me. But if you just wait a hot second, like spend a few minutes on these four steps that I'm about to walk you through, it will save you hours of confusion in the future. You will thank me later. (laughs) So, all right, let's dive straight in. So Step number one is going to be decide what your goal is. 
So, and, and I say what your goal is, it really could be more than one goal, but you want to answer the question, why do you want to start a blog exactly? Like get crystal clear on the reason or reasons before you do anything. So some common goals for adding a blog to your website might be like increased brand awareness and credibility. You could maybe want to start building an email list that you can market to later on. This is a really popular one. Um, or reaching prospective clients outside of your typical service area. So particularly if you are service-based and you tend to, you, you know, right now you're doing all of your services in person, but you know in the future you might want to pivot and grow your business outside of your geographical area, this would be a great way to do it, is starting a blog. Um, another, another reason would just be driving traffic to your website for future ad revenue. Like when you get into the, you know, five and six figure views per month on your blog, you can really start to make um, a significant amount of uh, passive revenue from ads. And so that could be a long-term strategy. You might also want to attract brand partnerships. Those are fun to, of course, diversify your revenue streams. Or maybe you just want to blog as a creative outlet, like especially if you're like me and you just love writing and it's just the medium that really speaks to you. It's important to know why you're doing the things you're doing in your business always, right? Like this is something as a business coach that I'm always on my clients about is really digging into why they're making the decisions they're making. And that includes examining why blogging is important to you because your goals might also influence the topics you cover and where you spend your time during the blog creation process. And I'll talk more on that in a minute. So once, so that's step one, right? Is decide what your goal is, get crystal clear on it. Step number two is going to be choosing your five content pillars. So if that's a new phrase for you, a content pillar is just, it's like blogger speak for category. So these are the broad topics that you're going to write about on your blog. So if you think of them as like buckets of information that you want to share with your readers. And they really matter because when you choose pillars that are related to your niche, it makes it easier for you to decide what to write about because you already know what categories your blog is focused on. I can tell you from experience, it's so easy to get sucked in by trends or distractions. Like I call this shiny object syndrome. When you don't have your pillars solidified, you know, you see a trend on TikTok or on someone else's blog and suddenly that sounds like a really good idea. But this actually just confuses your readers and it scatters your target audience. So we don't want that. So like this, um, when you go to see the transcript of this episode, it'll be published on my blog and it'll be under the category uh, or the content pillar, right, of business and entrepreneurship, right? Because of course, as a business coach, that's one of the things I talk about. So it's very easy for me to sit down and just know, okay, if I'm writing to the solopreneur or the entrepreneur with a very small team, what do they need to know, right? And so that's kind of where this episode came about. And this is one of, like, this is a great way to frame your blog and just decide what you want to talk about. So I, I can understand if you're over there thinking like, okay, but what do these actually look like? I'll give you a really good example. So um, let's say you're a photographer and you want to start a blog to actually attract other photographers 
right? Because in addition to shooting like weddings and senior pictures in your geographical area, you're actually creating an online course on wedding photography that other photographers can sign up for, right? Like that's the future goal of yours. So if you had a blog to your website now, you might decide to make your five content pillars uh, these, right? So one could be product reviews, right? You talk about cameras, lighting, equipment, things you already know about, but you're doing product reviews to help other photographers decide what to buy. Um, the second could be shooting tips, set like camera settings, angles. I'm not a photographer, so I hope these are making sense. Um, a third category could be editing tricks. So like, um, you know, presets, color theory, how-to guides, you know, things photographers would want to know. Um, or one could even be, one category could even be time management, like your work-life balance, right? When you have this kind of job where you're shooting and editing on the weekends, you know, kind of getting that balance right, or shoot, like timing for shooting pictures at a wedding. Um, there's so much you could talk about within time management. And then maybe your fifth one is marketing. So like, if you've learned how to effectively promote your business on social media or in industry publications or paid ads, like that could be your fifth bucket. Like, do you see how handy this is? Because when you sit down to write a new post, you immediately have some direction. And what I advised, what I advised my client to do was kind of cycle through these, right? So you're not always writing about the same thing, but maybe one post, you know, you just kind of start from the top, like one post is a product review, the next one there are shooting tips, then editing tricks, time management, marketing, and then you just kind of, you know, recycle, right? You just keep going back through those five categories. Once you have your pillars solidified, it's time to move on to step three, deciding on a posting schedule. So like there are two main questions you need to answer here. One, how often do you want to publish new posts? And two, when should those posts go live? So if we start with how often you'll, pub you'll publish, I know you are probably excited to get going right now. You're probably listening to all of this thinking, that's a great idea. I want to have a blog right away. Let me just work on this tomorrow or something. But I promise that enthusiasm will wane when like the kids are home for summer break or you get sick or some other project takes over your plans it will just kind of start to fall apart if you've overcommitted yourself. So like how prolific you want to be is totally up to you. I don't recommend more than one post per week, at least in the beginning. Like when you hit your stride with blogging and you get into a routine, you might feel comfortable committing to more, but I wouldn't jump into that right away, especially if you're writing the post yourself, right? Like as a content writer, sometimes I write for other publications, right? Or if I was going to write for another blog, like someone might hire me to write for them. And that may be, that may affect how often they're going to publish. But if, assuming that you're the one who's going to be writing all of this, make sure you pick something that's doable, right? Like don't pick, like I'm going to post three times a week because in order to get a quality post out and do everything else, that you need to get done. And again, more on this than a little bit later, I'm going to talk about all of that. You are going to find that you're completely overwhelmed. So I highly recommend no more than once per week. And even like once every two weeks to get started is I think totally fine. And then as far as when you'll post new content, 
Um, and I'll get into this in a minute, but I recommend working ahead and scheduling posts to publish in the future, right? So it's best to just choose a day and time for new content to go live each week because as you build your readership, readers like consistency. So the more that they know what to expect from you, the better. So once you've decided on your posting frequency, it's time to move to step four, which is designing your blogging workflow. I feel like no one is talking about this and it is absolutely critical. Whether you wanna write multiple posts in one sitting or you wanna spread the workout over time, having a workflow is essential. It totally changed the game for me and how I write and how I think about publishing. There are so many other tasks besides the actual writing of the piece that need to be done for every post. Things like choosing images to go with your text, and that's images whether you'll be taking photos like with your camera or even your iPhone or whether you're selecting stock images, like it all takes time. Adding what are called tags to your post, which help readers find what you're talking about so that they can find your post more easily. And marketing your content are all on the list and more. And you don't wanna be scrambling at the end to get them all done. I don't know about you, I love a good SOP. <laughs> Those standard operating procedures are a lifesaver. So designing a workflow, I, I would say also helps with consistency because you know what to expect every time you sit down to write Instead of winging it or recreating the wheel every time, you're spending your time efficiently so that you can get back to your core business as soon as possible. It also, I find, prevents you from missing steps in the process that you have to go back and correct later, which can affect your marketing, it can affect your search engine optimization. So you really just wanna have it right the first time, if at all possible. And because I feel like no one's talking about these workflows, I put mine together and posted it on my website. So if you want to download mine and just borrow mine, I am totally fine with that. Um, if you go in the show notes and click the link, you'll be able to download that free uh, workflow. And that'll really help you, I think, just set you up for success from the very beginning so that you're not having this like trial and error period and then having to go back and create your own workflow. So just use mine <laughs> and it'll make your life a lot easier. Okay, so when we talk about um, how to start writing your blog, right? So you've gone through the four steps of things you need to do before you start writing and those are all decided. Now you need to know how to start writing your blog, right? So I've put together a list of do's and don'ts that I wanna share. Um, Cause I think that there are just kind of like the high level things that you need to know before you dive in. So I, I would say do build a stockpile of like eight to 10 posts before you publish anything. Like there will be weeks when life gets away from you and you won't get your blog post done. So if you've got eight to 10 posts in the bag, right, you're building a buffer, you're working eight to 10 weeks ahead. This is assuming you post once per week. I mean, if you post once every other week, you might only need four to five posts, right? But just have that buffer so that you're not up against the clock every time you go to hit publish. Um, something I would say don't do, 
don't write directly onto your website platform. <laughs> if your site crashes, right, which this happens sometimes, especially because these, um, these, you know, the software behind these big um, website platforms like uh, WordPress, Wix, Square, right, they're big, right? So if there's a tech glitch and something freezes or your internet gets a little sketchy, you could lose all your work if you haven't hit the save button in a while. And when you're in flow, it's really hard to remember to hit the save button, right? And the other reason is that these websites don't tend to catch typos and other grammar errors very effectively, if at all. So I would write somewhere else and then copy paste your work into your website platform. So in my workflow, right, I write in an app called Grammarly. Um, Grammarly is amazing. It like catches um, everything from like using passive voice instead of active voice. Um, capitalization, spelling, like all the normal stuff, but then it also monitors my tone, right? So if I'm writing and I think I'm being friendly, but I'm really not, I'm really being something else, it'll kind of like chirp at me and be like, are you sure that you want to use these words? Are you sure that you want to say things the way that you said them? And sometimes I really do. And I just have to kind of bat it away. But sometimes they have a point and I'm like, okay, all right, well, I will check. So I have the premium version and I think that gives me like that tone checker. Um, but there is a free version if that's what you're interested in. And, and, I, and I do think that that might be a good place to start. And then when you copy and paste onto your website platform, I use WordPress and I absolutely love it. Um, it's, the, it's by far, I would say, the most versatile platform, especially for future growth, right? There's tons of plugins. Um, it, it's just a really like moldable platform to use, especially if you plan on maybe using your blog to parlay into selling ads or, um, working with brands in the future. I think it's just a really good place to go. Um, so all that being said, don't write into your website platform, write somewhere else and then transfer it over. Um, something you do want to do is aim for about 1800 to 2400 words. And of course, like Grammarly, the site, the site that I use that automatically counts my words or my characters. So depending on how I'm writing, I can always have a check on it. But the reason I say this is the Google gods smile very lovingly on this kind of quote unquote, long form content. And they're more likely to nudge readers toward it in search results. The thing I want to do mention if if you can't hit that word count, it's okay. It's much better to post a shorter blog entry than none at all. So if you say everything that you need to say in fewer words, I don't think you need to keep going just to hit that word count. This is what, um, this is what SEO research companies have targeted as their ideal length of a post. But by all means, it is not a hard and fast rule. So don't, you know, beat yourself up if you're at 1500 words and you think, I don't possibly have anything else to say. It's totally fine. So one of my don'ts is don't ignore SEO, which stands for search engine optimization. Don't panic if you've never heard this term before, or you don't know where to start. You're all you're on the right track with SEO if you're writing valuable error-free, long-form content, and you're including keywords in your articles, 
Fortunately, you can do basic keyword research for free. If you just Google free keyword research, you'll find plenty of sites that will help you for free, of course. They don't even require a sign up. So look for a few words or phrases that people are likely to search for when they're looking for your content, right? So when you're writing, whatever you're writing about, what would someone search to bring them to your content? Ideally, what would that look like? Those are going to be your keywords. And then you want to weave those words and phrases into your blog posts and you want to include them in your title and your headings too. All right, one of my don'ts, and I think this is actually the last one on my list, don't start a new website for your blog. <laughs> if you've had your website up for months or even years, mostly years in a lot of these cases, you've probably built up some credibility with those Google gods. And in the, I guess, SEO um, website credibility thing, it's called domain authority. And it's a search engine ranking score that goes up with factors like website quality, content relevance, and a host of other things. It's somewhat mysterious, but if you've had a website and it's well laid out and people come to it for other things, it's like, why start over when you can essentially borrow the street cred and brand awareness you've already built online to boost your blog? And you can actually check your domain authority. You can go to, you know, just type in like check domain authority. There's different places that you can go to like type in your website address and it'll tell you what your domain authority score is. Um, and as a little side note to this, if you do use WordPress as I do and you're on the business planner hire as I am, you can install um, a plugin for SEO that keeps tabs on how well your posts are doing with regard to SEO. I use one called Yoast SEO um, and there's a couple other ones too. So that's another way to kind of like, I don't want to say like game the system, but like check your work before you turn it in. Basically, it's like checking the answer key before you turn it in. Like, did I do a good job with SEO? Um, and this kind of segues into the next thing I want to talk about, which is how to market your blog posts. Because kind of along with that SEO conversation, after you've spent valuable time writing your post, formatting it onto your web platform, all the other things I mentioned, it would be a shame if nobody read it, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why you're doing this for people to read. And yet I find it's at this critical point when entrepreneurs want to move on to a new post or a new project and they don't capitalize on their hard work. So don't do that. <laughs> if you have time to spread the word about your new content by writing emails to your subscribers and crafting posts for social media channels like Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and social search engines like Pinterest, I mean, great. Or maybe doing videos on TikTok, right? That's the best way to share your content. If you do go this route, I recommend creating some good branded templates in Canva to save on graphics. And if you have Canva Pro, um, like I do, you can even schedule posts like straight from the app. So that's one way to do it. Okay. And it's, it's going to be labor intensive. It may give you the best results in terms of sharing your content. But I also want to talk to you, because blogging is not your number one priority, I want to talk to you about how to use RSS feeds, okay? So posting manually has its merits. 
if you are really fucking busy and this whole blogging thing has already taken up a lot of your time, I have three words for you. Syndicate that shit. <laughs> when I say syndicate that shit, I'm talking about using an RSS feed to market each post that you make. So you can actually have emails sent to your subscribers, posts made on social, and even pins made on Pinterest, all without you having to do anything. It's all by leveraging your RSS feed, which your web platform likely created for your blog automatically. You can share these posts without lifting a finger. Now, I do wanna say the RSS feed will usually pull the first image from your post. So each post that you make should have, I don't know, two to three images. And so you wanna make sure the image that you use first in your piece is the, is the one that you wanna be carried over to social media, emails, etc., because that's what the RSS feed is going to pull. The other thing I want you to know is that when you share from your website platform, there will likely be an area where you can fill out an excerpt. And that's what you wanna fill in because when your content is shared, whatever you have written in that excerpt box is what's gonna be posted along with the link. So make sure you fill it out by providing a really good summary of your blog post that makes people really want to jump in and read it. So I use a blend of both of these strategies to market my writing. So for example, when I hit publish um, on this podcast episode, um, and a similar thing happened with the transcript that is published as a blog, when I hit publish on the blog entry, four things happened automatically. One, an email was queued up to send to my subscribers. On the seventh of every month, my subscribers get um, an email with all of my um, latest podcast episodes over the last 30 days. So from the seventh of the prior month. So like on April 7th, my subscribers will get another email with links to all of my stuff. Um, an update was posted on my Facebook page automatically. Um, the content was shared as a post to LinkedIn and a pin was shared to my Pinterest account, right? And then I was able to take what, what I had written in the excerpt box and the images that I had, that I had um, created and I was able to turn that into an Instagram post really easily. So I'll share links to this podcast episode and the blog post a few more times manually when I have time and energy to do so, but I think we can all agree that automation gave me a running start. <laughs> and if you're busy, I really think that leaning on automation is actually a great way to get started without this whole thing becoming super, super overwhelming. So I'm going to leave it here for today. I mean, I could go on and on, but I wanted to just give you the information that you absolutely needed and not anymore. So if you're thinking about adding a blog to your website, I'd love to know what questions you have. Um, leave them as comments on the transcript, um, which you can click the link in the show notes to get to that page. And that's also where you can download that free blogging workflow. So download that, leave me your comments with any questions. I would love to hear how this is going for you, what questions you have, and what other information you want to learn about for me. All right, have a great day. I'll see you next time. If you loved this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a beat. 
To learn more about my work or see how you can join my signature coaching program, come say hi at katiegrayofficial.com. That's Katie, K-A-T-I-E, Gray, G-R-A-Y, official.com. Or follow me on Instagram at katiegrayofficial.com.